Hang on a minute, I forgot my glasses. <laughs> and I can't read the Bible without them anymore, so I didn't want to make stuff up. Good to see you guys this weekend. Welcome everybody watching online. I forgot my glasses, so now it's good to see you. Uh, but it's great to have you guys here th this weekend at Grace and, uh, and great to be together. Hey, uh, uh, just a reminder, you can tell all the construction that's going on, and, uh, and as we go through that, we're going to keep communicating about how that kind of changes even our habits of how we, uh, we interact with each other, and uh, the one thing we've been talking about here, I mentioned it the last few weeks, this will be the last time I mention it, but just want to remind you that when we're in this auditorium, all the traffic patterns have changed. So uh, you, can't, you go out those back doors, you can't get to the restrooms and stuff anymore. So if there's an emergency, go out those back doors and it will kick you outside, uh, but you can't get to this side of the building anymore. So just remember that. So uh, just these doors and the ones back by the kitchen are the only ones that are, uh, will get you out to the lobby and the restrooms. And because of that, uh, we've just said if you guys would kind of be willing to do us a favor here for the next uh, many months while we're doing this, if you can make it all the way through service uh, without ducking in and out, it will help a ton because we actually can't uh, not disturb each other uh, by ducking out of service right now because of the traffic flow. The baby's upset or you got to leave, don't, don't feel guilty or embarrassed by doing that. Of course, we want you to do that, but just an awareness that we're going to kind of change our habits here for a little bit as we go through construction. But it's fun to see what God is doing. Um, I was at uh, this afternoon, uh, uh, this, this weekend I should say, we, were, uh, we had a baptism. I was able to be there. We had a ton of kids get baptized. That's all the result of our summer ministries, which was a blast. And so uh, that hole out there is a new sports complex and nurseries and things like that which is meant to amplify all of those ministries so if you ever feel uh impatient or frustrated with the pace of construction or the inconveniences go watch a bunch of kids get baptized and you'll be like i'll put up with anything now uh, to see that play out so it's awesome so working on our dreams it's going to be amazing when it's done and we'll just keep talking our way through it uh, as things change here over the next uh, many months as we go through that, okay? So we're in a series uh, that we started last weekend called Why It Matters, and uh, we've been looking at kind of the, the, some of the core basic things about following Jesus, stuff we take for granted. Uh, so like last week, we talked about why does it matter that we gather together at church, and, and uh, if you grew up in church or you, you know much about church, like it's just kind of like something that you might have always done or you thought of it as an expectation. And uh, you kind of wonder like, where did that come from? You know, well, it's fascinating when you look at the Bible, that's something that God wanted. And it's a pattern. It's not just like a today thing. It's a pattern all the way through the Bible, uh, starting way, way back at the beginning of the Old Testament. And we'll actually go all the way into heaven. And the people of God have always gathered, like one-on-one -on -one is great. What we would call small groups is like a thing too and great. But we always gather together in large groups and God wanted that. And so we're like, it matters because it, it matters to God. And then we talked about those reasons. So that's on the podcast and, and website and app and stuff like that. So like we're talking about kind of like those basic things, you know. Uh, this weekend, I want to talk to us about why it matters that we serve. Like, why is that important to God? 
And why is that a hallmark or a distinction of God's people that they, they would serve each other? Now, I know when I say that, uh, that the, some defenses go up, right? Like, oh, they must need volunteers at the church, right? So he's talking about serving or maybe we're going to launch something and I need to get you guys motivated to be a part of it. And that's really not my motivation at all, right? So we're not talking about that specifically. For the record, we always need volunteers at the church. We always need more people involved. Uh, if you have certain skill sets, like you're a musician, you're always going to be a higher uh, uh, involvement than others because people can't replace you, right? So if you're making coffee and you get sick, I can replace you. If you're playing bass and you get sick, we're just not having a subwoofer that weekend. Like, that's just the way that's going to work, right? So that that's the way it is. That's the way it always is. That's always the way it is at Grace. And we always need you and want you to be involved, all right? So that, that's out there. That's not the conversation I'm trying to have with you. The conversation I'm trying to have with you is, is why serving is important and how it reflects the heart of God. So we're going to talk about how it reflects the heart of God. And we're going to talk about how it works. I'll kind of walk you through that in the Bible a little bit using Jesus' words and teaching. And then we're going to talk about how that, how when we serve in the way that Christ served us, we actually understand Jesus on a deeper level and love other people on, on a deeper level, okay? So why, why serve? Why is that something that's important to God and he wants us all to be involved with regardless of how we're involved with it? Why is that important to him? Uh, when you hear like basic descriptions of Jesus, they're important. And one of the ways, like one of the like key ways or basic ways that Jesus describes himself is in Matthew chapter 20. And he says this, he says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, when he's describing himself, he says, I, I, want you to, I want you to understand something about me. The Son of Man is one of the names of Jesus. I want you to understand something about me. Me showing up on the planet is not about me. So I didn't come down here to like flex and like draw all this power to myself and get your money, get your allegiance, get your time, get your energy. Even though I'm worthy of all that, like that's not what motivated me. If you want to understand me at my very, very core, what you should know about me is I didn't come to be served, but to serve. So at my heart, if you wanted your heart to reflect my heart, at the, at the core of that reflection would be my desire to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Now, a Christ follower, what we do is when we accept Christ's salvation, when we ask for the forgiveness of our sin and God saves us or we're born again or there's all these different metaphors that the Bible uses for us accepting our salvation, when that happens, I'm allowing God to transform my life. He changes my thinking, he changes my heart, he changes the way that I live. So that as a Christ follower, I act like, think like, love like, I'm motivated like Jesus Christ. And when I am motivated like Jesus Christ, then I reflect who Jesus is to the world around me. And as an individual Christ follower, I do that in my kind of personal circles. And then as the church, 
which Jesus in the Bible described as the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the household of God. The church is the physical representation of Jesus' heart on earth. And so we collectively want to act like, talk like, think like, love like Jesus. We personally want to do those things. And when we think about what that looks like, it looks like serving. That when I serve, I am reflecting the heart of Christ and I'm reflecting the way that he interacts interacts with me. So when we're talking about serving, we're talking about that, and then we're talking about it in the manner that Jesus would have done it, right? So he didn't come to be served, he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when Jesus came to serve, not to be served, give his life as a ransom for many, it's not like volunteerism. Like volunteerism is great and it's a way that we serve. I don't want to knock it, but it can also be like shallow, you know? So that's not what he's thinking about. It's not just like pitching in with things, right? Like many, many hands make light work, right? That stuff is great, and sometimes it's really important, but it's not truly what Jesus is trying to reflect or wants us to reflect about him. The, the, where, the place that you find a lot of his motivation is give your life as a ransom for many, so when I'm talking about serving this weekend, that's what I mean, like, do we need volunteers at Grace? I'm like, yes, always, every day, absolutely, right? It's good for you, it's good for us, it's good for the kingdom of God. That's all great. So what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about serving, I'm talking about this level of it, that I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. So when I say serving, I mean this, serving is the offering of your life that I'm going to look at the people around me and I'm going to look at what Jesus has done for me and my motivation is going to change. I'm going to move from like a normal person who would say, I want to draw life to me. How do I live my best life now? How do I find my truth? How do I, how do, I do the things that fulfill me? How do I only have positive people around me and no toxic people around me? That's like a normal way of thinking. And I'm going to flip that upside down because that's what it would have meant if Jesus came to be served. How, how do I make the earth, how do I just like make it everything I ever wanted it to be and just annihilate all the people I don't like? Jesus looked at people who hated him, who didn't understand him, who purposely rejected him, who in their hearts were enemies of God, and he looked and said, I came to offer my life for them as a ransom. I came to give my life to them, to lay my life down for them. I'm not trying to draw all of that focus so that I can live my best life. I'm trying to offer my life so that you can have something that you can never have on your own. And when we serve, when we give our lives as Christ followers and then collectively as a church, as a physical representation of Christ on earth, we make Jesus make sense. Like this is what he came to do and this is what he wants to accomplish and this is what he wants us to be about. So when we serve, it's, you can volunteer, that's great. I, I get that as part of it. 
But it's like the deeper part of it, this offering my life or laying my life down to, to serve Christ and to serve those that he loves. Okay? Now, what is that going to look like? What is that going to look like? Because it looks like a bunch of different things. And, and it can look like big things and, and little things, but, but what does it look like? And, and, and that's what I want to walk through here for a minute, and then we're gonna show, I'm going to show you how you wind up being more connected to God. But serving, serving plays out like this, right? We're going to talk about how that laying your life down is easy and it's scary. Um, we're going to talk about how it, it is, sometimes we lay our life down publicly, but we also do it privately. And then sometimes we serve or lay our life down like really near, close in stuff, and then we do it in really far away ways that we care about things that happen other places in the world, okay? So I want to show you these three things, and I'm going to show you one more thing about how to connect with Christ. So let's start here. If you've got a Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 5. We'll use that as a, a bit of a foundation. Jesus is talking to Christ followers here. So if you're not a Christ follower, this is something that, that you're not as, as obligated to. But those of us who have been served by Christ, we would be like, we, we want to reflect that, right? And in Matthew chapter 5, page 786, and the Bible's in the chairs there. This is on the app and everything too, if you're, if you're watching online. Jesus is talking to Christ followers about how he wants us to live and how we're going to reflect him and how we're going to, uh, to interact with him. And he says something kind of fascinating in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to kind of use it as a, a bit of a marker of how we would interact with him. Okay, so Matthew chapter 5, if you go to verse 13 and following, he says this. He's talking to us now, his followers. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. There's a bunch of stuff in this passage. We could spend two months just talking about it. But I want to talk about it through this idea of offering my life, right? So serving, offering my life is easy and it's scary. So Jesus says this, sometimes serving is super easy. He says, you're the salt of the earth, right? Uh, if salt loses saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It no longer is good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So Jesus says, one of the ways that I want you to think about me and to reflect me and to offer your life is by being the salt of the earth, right? In other words, I want you to be somebody and individually and corporately that brings something to a recipe and alters it, right? So this idea of salt is fascinating because it's universal, it's timeless, and, and we could, like I said, we could talk about a month, just about what it means to be the salt of the earth. But I want you to think about it this way. The simplest ingredient that we add to a recipe to change it is salt. So we would look and say, this needs salt. The soup needs salt. The, the popcorn needs salt. The, some people are weird. You know, like the macaroni and cheese needs salt. I'm like, there's a point that you just need, like, medical intervention. But, like... We'll add salt, right? 
in our world and even historically, if we were going to alter a recipe in the easiest and quickest way, we would add salt. So Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, guys, listen, you live on a planet that has recipes, but you're different because the planet is trying to bring life to themselves, best life for you now. You're trying to offer your life like I did. And if you thought of yourself as salt, it's an easy, simple ingredient that brings about a lot of change. If the recipe calls for selfishness, if you add service to it, you've dramatically changed that recipe and it didn't take much. If, it, if, it's, if it's just the argument between who gets up and lets the dog out, if you're just like, I'll do it, little bit of salt, little bit of how Jesus would think relieves that relational tension in a massive way. If the question is who cleans the, who cleans the kitchen? If, the, if, if it's this who's right to do something, if you're like, you know what, I'll give up my rights, I'll just do it, I'll, I offer myself. Little bit of salt totally changes that dynamic. If the recipe calls for greed, a little bit of generosity, a little bit of salt, totally changes that recipe, right? You're just, just be like me a little bit. And it will totally change the dynamic of what's going on relationally. If the recipe calls for, for us using each other, and I look at you and say, you know what? I'll offer my life. I won't use you. I won't use your skills. I won't use your body. I'll be selfless. Little bit of salt changes that relational recipe in deep, deep ways. And sometimes when we're offering our life, that offer, it has a very low cost, a very low time investment. It's easy peasy. And Jesus would be like, right. So there's times, like just do that. And just change the recipe a little bit and, and adjust your mind some and you add a little bit of me or Christ-likeness into that, a little bit of selflessness, a little bit of lay your life down, you can, you can reprogram an evening, you can reprogram a relationship, you can stop a fight. It's amazing what a little bit of salt will do. So sometimes offering my life is super easy. Sometimes offering my life is super scary. And there's a higher cost, there's a different push, right? So Jesus, back in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you're salt of the earth. The next metaphor he uses is this. He says, you're also the light of the world. Now light and salt are very, very different because in order to be light, I have to be somewhere that is dark. And dark things are generally scary. So there's times that service is super easy peasy, and then there's other times that service is really scary and frightening to me, right? It, it's fascinating, later on in the Bible, uh, Jesus is talking about those who are righteous and unrighteous, and, and he's giving a future view of what it's gonna be like at the end of time when people are standing before him, and he's kinda letting people know who goes to heaven and who doesn't. And so he's, the Bible calls it separating the sheep and the goats. And so Jesus is doing that, and he gives an example of people who are righteous, who are the sheep, who are going to be welcomed into heaven. 
And he says this about them in Matthew chapter 25. He says, for I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison, you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we do that? Like, I don't, I don't ever remember, like, Jesus knocking on my door saying, you got something to eat. Or Jesus being a stranger. I certainly don't remember Jesus naked. I think I'd remember that one. I don't remember Jesus in prison. Like, when did I do that to you? And Jesus replies to them, I tell you, whenever you did this for the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. When you loved the people that I love, you were loving me, especially those in my body and those in my family. You did that for me. Now, ready? The examples Jesus uses in this passage, I think are important for people in 2020 who live in suburbia in Akron, Ohio. So for us, most of us, in a very unique way, these examples are important because for most of us, if we're gonna encounter somebody who's hungry or somebody who's thirsty or a stranger or somebody who's naked or somebody who's in need or somebody who's in prison, for most of us here at Grace Church that are listening to this conversation this weekend, for us to be light to those people, we're gonna have to move ourselves to a different place. Because most of us are not gonna go home to hungry, naked strangers in our house, and if we did, we'd probably call 911, right? So like, that's probably not our current reality. We're going to have to intentionally put ourselves somewhere else in order to be light to people who would be on a list like this. And Jesus would look at us and say, right. Christ followers offer their life in easy peasy ways. And then they offer themselves in very difficult and scary ways. And all of that reflects me. And those people that you don't know, that are foreign to you in circumstances that scare you, that you're unsure of, that you've worked to avoid your whole life. I love those people. And when you love those people and you offer your life, you're not stuck with those people. You're, you're not, it's, it's not just the way that it is. But you go out of your way like I went out of my way that makes me make sense to them. Why would you be here? Because I want you to know that Jesus loves you. If you ran into Jesus, why would he be on the planet with a bunch of people who reject him, rebel against him, don't care that much about him? Because he loves us. And he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and offer his life. Right? So doing that, sometimes it's easy peasy, it's no big deal. It's who, who picks up the dishes and who doesn't? Sometimes it's scary. And to be light in dark places means I'm going to have to put myself, in our context, it means I'm going to have to put myself in some of those places, right? So sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's scary. Sometimes serving is public. 
Sometimes me laying my life down and giving myself to something is a public thing, especially when we do that corporately. So Matthew chapter 5, Jesus goes on, he says this. He says, guys, that just like you'd have a city on a hill so everybody can see it, just you'd have a, like a light and you put it on a stand so it gives light to the whole house. So sometimes you do that in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Sometimes when Jesus calls us to serve, he calls us to do that publicly, to offer our lives in a public way. Now, sometimes he did that. So sometimes Jesus did miracles very quietly and would look at a guy and be like, don't tell anybody. Other times he would feed 5,000 people and they all knew where it came from. Other times he'd cast a demon out and the whole crowd was amazed. Uh, sometimes he, he would do things very, very publicly. And when you look at the offering of his life, there's a part of that that was very public. Jesus was arrested publicly. He was tried publicly publicly. He was beaten publicly. He died on the cross publicly. Why? Why would he do things publicly? Whenever Jesus did something publicly, what he was doing was he was glorifying the Father in heaven. And he would do things publicly so that people would understand who he was and they would understand what his message was. Jesus dying publicly on the cross is the reason that you and I know that Jesus died, Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus doing miracles publicly is the reason why we know that he's the miracle worker. He would do things so that when people saw him, they would understand why he was there, they would glorify the Father, or they would understand that Jesus loved them, or Jesus had power to offer them, or Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecy and the source of salvation. So he would do that so that he would be a city on a hill, and he would be a light on a stand, so that if you're in darkness or you're lost in life, you could see Jesus and you could move toward him because you knew of these public things. Now he looks at his followers and he says, in the same way, you do that. And I would say that when Jesus is talking about this, he's talking mostly about the church serving corporately. We, the spiritual entity of the church, are the body and the bride of Christ, the household of God. Those are metaphors that Jesus uses to describe the church. And when we serve corporately, we're making the love of Jesus make sense and we're making the truth of Jesus visible to the world around us. So it is very appropriate at times for us to offer our lives in a public way, a public manner. It's very appropriate at times that we would put the t-shirt on we would do the go and do weekend. We would do feed my starving children. We would let people know that when we run the grace race, we're raising money for famine relief. It's very appropriate at times that we would do things publicly. The motivation of that has to be clear. 
The motivation of that is not to feed the brand of Grace Church. The motivation of that is not to be competitive with other groups in our organization and our community. The motivation of that is so that when our community looks and says, is there a place that I can find love, that I can find help, and that I could find God? And they saw a bunch of people with the proverbial t-shirts on doing something. That can be a city on a hill, a lamp on a stand. So there are times that we would offer our lives publicly so that people could find their way to Christ. There are other times that we would only offer our lives privately. Now what's fascinating is just a chapter later in the Bible, right after Jesus says, do these things so everybody can see it, one chapter later in Matthew chapter 6, he says this. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Seems like he just backtracked on what he was saying. So be careful not to do that. If you do, there'll be no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be honored by them. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you in heaven. Feels like Jesus just said two different things, right? Do it so everybody sees you. Don't let anybody see you, right? Now I would say pretty strongly this is not a contradiction because God does not contradict himself. This is a completion. And Jesus wants us to see that offering our life plays out in different ways. Sometimes we put the t-shirt on. And I would say pretty strongly that 98% of the time that is the church of Jesus Christ loving the world and letting his light shine to them. Other times we do things in secret, and I would say to you, 98% of the time, this is Jeff serving another person. There's times that we serve corporately to bring attention to God. And there's times that I serve secretly to defer attention from myself, right? And when I am serving, when we're doing something, it's kind of one conversation. When I'm doing something, 98% of the time, that is done in secret. God's been generous to me, I want to be generous to you. God has been compassionate to me, I want to be compassionate to you. I don't need to announce it, I don't need to put it on the gram, I don't need to do any of those things. God prompts me, I love you, end of story. I know, God knows, that's all that matters. So sometimes I lay my life down, and we do that corporately. Sometimes I lay my life or my rights or I offer myself as very, very private. And all of that is actually something that Jesus would say, that's good. That all reflects me in one way or another. So sometimes it's easy offering your life. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it's public. 
Sometimes it's private. And then I would say this, sometimes it's near. And then in a minute, we'll talk about how sometimes it's far. Most of the time, ready? When we offer our lives, ready? We're doing that to the people closest to us. And the power of offering your life to the person closest to you is probably the greatest impact you'll make because they are the ones that God has brought closest to you so you can help Jesus make sense to them. Most of the time when I offer my life it's near and most of the time it's private. Sometimes that's easy peasy. Who lets the dog out? Who pooper scoops the yard? Somebody got to pooper scoop the yard. Unless you mow it under like I do, there's options, right? <laughs> Who does that? Somebody got to do it. It's easy peasy. Sometimes it's scary. I have to forgive you. And to forgive you, I have to bear the burden of how you hurt me. I have to trust you. And to trust you, I, I, you've given me so many reasons not to trust you. I have to stand up to you. I have to tell you the truth. And every time I stand up to you, you blow a gasket. But I love you enough to tell you. Sometimes it's scary to do that. Sometimes I, I, I'll do that publicly, right? Heidi and I, when we had our 25th anniversary a few years ago, we publicly renewed our vows. Most of the time when somebody's near, it's very private. It's very private, and sometimes it's very complex. Right? When I'm caring for aging parents, it's very private. There's a lot of very undignified moments in that process. I'm offering my life because I want to honor my father and my mother. When, when I'm working through things in a marriage or with my children, it's very private. I'm never going to broadcast what my kids are struggling with. It's very private. But if you're a parent, there is, there is no greater burden than when your kids are struggling, right? And not because you match your kids, because you love them so much. You carry that weight with it. It's very complex. Right? So it's, it's public a little bit. 98% of the time, it's private, but it's near. And the more complex it is, and the more scary it is, the greater the opportunity I have to make Jesus make sense. Right? So serving is near, and then serving is far. As the church, and sometimes as an individual, I love those people God has in my life, and sometimes I'm loving those people out there somewhere. One of my favorite things Jesus says, this is, this is when he's teaching his disciples to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And one of the things he tells us to pray is this. He says, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus says, hey, Christ followers, you guys should pray that what heaven is like can be experienced kind of as a dim reflection on earth. If heaven's full of compassion, 
you should reflect compassion. If heaven's full of grace, you should reflect grace. If heaven's full of forgiveness, you should reflect forgiveness. Heaven's full of joy, you should reflect joy. So there is a desire from God that the kingdom is, it's, it's not out there somewhere. It's right here, right now. And we get to be the ones who ex- express that kingdom to the people around us. So what that means is that there are places in the world that are crying out to God. God loves those places. He loves those people even though they're desperate. He loves those people. He cares. About, he cares a lot about what's going on in Afghanistan right now. He cares a lot about famine that's going through certain parts of Africa right now. He cares a lot about some of the social injustices that are ravaging our culture as well as the world around us. He cares about that and he hears it. And when God hears his prayers, 98% of the time when God hears prayer, what he does is he activates his people. And he would speak to you or me and often us. And he would give us a unique passion for this weird spot on the planet. Why in the world is a church from Akron, Ohio involved in Africa, Mexico, and Haiti? There's nothing about those places that cross our normal path of life. Well, God drew us there. Why would, why, would, why would I care about injustices in people's life when those injustices don't affect me? Because when I love my brother or my sister, God hears those injustices. God is not satisfied with that. God is responding. So he might activate me to understand or to play a part or at a minimum bear a burden with a brother or sister. What, why, would, why would we care about famine when most of us are trying to lose weight? Because God would love. And we have the resources they don't. That's why they're hungry. So, so he would move us. See? Because in heaven, you don't go hungry. And we should pray. In heaven, there's no injustices. And we should pray and work. In heaven, see, your needs are met. And we should pray and work. Well, how are we going to do that? God's going to send us. And what are we going to have to do in order to respond to God? We're going to have to offer our lives. We're going to have to serve in one way or another, see, to be the answer to prayer that God would have us be. So the offering of my life, it matters a lot to God. It matters to God because it reflects his heart to the world around us. It matters to God because it's kind of like his method of loving people. And it matters to God, I want you to catch this, because I'm not sure you can understand God fully and how he interacts with you unless you offer your life and serve. My favorite passages in the Bible is Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says this, he says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth 
of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I could gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Ready? Verse 10. I want to know Christ. So Paul says, there's nothing more valuable on the planet than knowing Christ. So I want to know him. I want to understand him. I want to understand his heart. I want to understand his mind. I want to act like, talk like, think like, be motivated and love like Jesus. I want that. Everything else on planet Earth is garbage compared to that. I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. Ready? And the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain resurrection from the dead. Isn't it fascinating? Paul says, I want to know Christ. How am I going to get to know him? Well, I've got to understand his death. How do you understand his death? By participating in his sufferings. How do you participate in his sufferings? Well, you know one of the biggest ways you can do that? You offer your life as a ransom for many, like he did. In a world that would say that the highest value we could have is to be alleviated of our suffering. I want my life to go my way. I want my best life now. I want my dream. That's what I want. That's what I work toward. That's what I, that's my greatest goal. In fact, God, the evidence of your love is if you bless me, prosper in me, and take my pain and my struggles away. The Apostle Paul is like, yeah, that's not much, but I want to know Jesus. And to know Jesus, I have to understand his heart and his mind. And if I want to know what motivated him and what that motivation was like and how that played out in my life, I should join him in his suffering. You take that two-week missions trip into that dark place that you're scared of, you're not going to change the world. You're not. I, I'm... I love you and all, but you're not going to change the world in two weeks. You're not going to change Haiti in two weeks. It's not going to happen. You know what's going to happen? God's going to change you in two weeks. And you're going to love the people of Haiti like Christ does. And you never knew that was possible until you served them. You're not going to alleviate famine it's never going to happen. You're not going to eradicate poverty. That's a, that's a wasted effort. Jesus says the poor will be with us always. It's never, ever going to happen. And, and you're certainly not going to do it. But when you serve, when you engage poverty, when you engage famine, it changes you. When you think for a moment of what it would be like if your little girl was crying and looking at you saying, Mommy, Daddy, I'm hungry. In that moment, God changes you and you experience his love for that child. 
because you served, because you thought about it, because you went there for a second. You're not, God's not going to alleviate all the personal pain in your life. He's not going to do that. You'd be like, I'm in a difficult marriage. God, change or smiter. I'm open to lots of options here. Like, like that's not going to happen. But when you have to love someone who's hard to love, when you have to serve somebody who is physically sick and they've lost their dignity, when you have to give your life and care for, when you're not flushing the toxic people out of your life, you're allowing them in because nobody else is going to be motivated to love them. And it's hard. And you, you kind of wish you hadn't drawn the short straw. And it takes a sacrifice. And it seems like it never ends. You're participating in the suffering. And you'll understand on a level that how Jesus loves you that you've never been able to understand before. Jesus loving us to Jesus is easy. It's easy to love people you love. It's scary. He stepped out of heaven. He came to earth to a group of people that were going to hate him, reject him, crucify him. And he loves you publicly. All those kids that got baptized... They're proclaiming their love for Jesus and Jesus is modeling his love for them. And he mostly loves you privately because he knows your secrets and he knows your shame and he gives himself to you anyways. And your relationship with him is very near. Jesus loved the people right around him. He loved his mother. He loved the thief on the cross. He loved the people right around him. And then he loves us. Way far away. People far from God. He still offers his life. Not demanding that we make him rich and famous. But giving his life to you and I. And when we understand the depth of God's love for us, We participate in the suffering so we understand the depth of God's love for other people. And that changes us. All of a sudden, you serving far more than any words you'll ever say or money you'll ever give, you showing up and doing that, you being changed in your own home, in your own dorm room, nothing you do will make Jesus make more sense than that. That's why it matters to God. He's not looking for volunteers. I mean, it's wonderful. He's looking for people who will offer their lives. That's what's weird. And that's what Christ did. And when his people do it, the love of Jesus then makes sense, right? Band's coming out. Would you bow your heads maybe just for a minute? Can I ask you a couple questions?
Is your heart a heart that is motivated by serving? Don't worry about what, worry about if. And when you think about those difficult relationships or you think about the investment of your time and energy and money and stuff like that, is it offered over? If somebody asks you, how are you serving? Is there actually a thing you could say or identify, right? Is there a difficult relationship that you need to add salt to? A little bit of salt goes a long way. Okay. Here's the big one. Ready? Do you see that Jesus serves you? He loves you so deeply. He doesn't have an ulterior motive. He didn't come for any of that. He came because he loves you. He came because he knows that you needed him. To receive salvation, to receive what God wants to give you. It's no more powerful thing in the world. And then to display it, that's why it matters. Jesus, love us, help us, change us, renew us, let us see what you see, love how you love, give our life the way that you gave your life. And God, somehow press that down deep. If there's a barrier, if there's a wound, if there's sin, press through that, God. Draw us with your kindness closer to your heart. Help us to eagerly embrace what you want to do, God, and to offer our lives like you offered yourself for us.